to the Discuss and Discuss podcast, where we'll talk about you, <laughs> not you, but the book you, and also not the show, but we are reading it because of the show. This is the first book by Carolyn Kneps. Kebnis? Kebnis? <laughs> I'm Derek. <laughs> I'm Kevin. All right. Great start. We're doing good today. Um, yes, well. You, the book. Uh, what are your thoughts so far? Because we both watched the first season already. It came out a few years ago. We just finally got around to reading the book. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I still have like 10 chapters left. It's It's a trudge for me. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm just so annoyed. Like, I can't, uh, we can dissect it later, but it's to answer the question. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a struggle bus for me. You liked it? Yeah, yeah. So it seems like we've been on opposite sides for this week in the content that we have lined up, which is funny because, yeah, I, I liked you and I'm listening to it as an audiobook. So getting it read to me, it seems it, it gave me a new appreciation for the show because the show follows the book kind of a lot more intently, which is very refreshing after we watched and read The the Sun is Also a Star. Uh, check that out if you guys want to, you know, <laughs> see what we're talking about. And then <laughs> even The Last of Us playing the game to watching the show it's actually really nice to see an adaption so faithful to the source content and have all the same vibes, all the same feelings. And I don't know, like Penn Badgley bringing Joe to life in the show. Like I appreciate it so much more. His performance is spot on when we're reading the book from a, a second person perspective is really cool. You know, we get those moments where he keeps saying you, you, this, you, that. And like, we always know who he's talking about specifically. I don't know. It's really cool. Like I, I really enjoy it. I really do. I, I, I'm surprised that you didn't. Well, I think the concept is cool and fun. I just, you have in your notes here where it's like, it's written by a woman. So this is a woman that's writing for a man. I think what I'm annoyed about is that I don't think he is a man. If If I haven't seen the show, and if you didn't tell me that this was a man, I would struggle to believe that it is, you know... Oh, his thoughts, man. His thoughts are just so annoying. I. <laughs> what makes it annoying? Well, okay, we can break down to some concepts here. Uh, yeah. He he just sounds like a spoiled brat. Like he. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so he likes this girl, but then he's doing like all that nice guy stuff, like, but to the extreme amount. So the. Nothing can actually happen naturally because he's not going to allow it to happen naturally. So he's finding all these things, these details about her so that he can do the right things for her in order to get her to like him. So it's a very manipulative, over-controlling type of thing. And he's that's a toxic trait, you know? I also think there's like a lack of value in himself and it's not really like prominently said. It's just there's that lack of value in himself to the point where he needs this person that he's obsessed with to like him not just like him but like love him and that he's the one that's supposed to be the center of the universe in this woman's mind so it feels i just think he's a bitch <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's 
Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't so, know how else to say that. Everything you're touching on is exactly what you're supposed to feel from a little bit of research that I did outside of it, stuff like that. So Joe, we, you know, we're in the perspective of Joe. We follow him. We can tell he's obsessive. He, you know, he's a stalker, of course. He is manipulative, like you said. He's also intelligent. He doesn't yeah. feel like he has to showboat or have big muscles and stuff like that, right? Like he's he's an intelligent guy who has a very broken background. And that's something important to remember. Uh, have you seen Mindhunter? Uh, I've only seen a couple episodes. Okay. Mindhunter on Netflix, you know, breaks down the idea that people are the way they are because of the experiences, experiences in their past, stuff like that. So it's the same concept. Joe has a broken family, divorced, you know, parents didn't like him type of thing. And then he meets a father figure and doctor, or not doctor, he's not a doctor, uh, and Mr. Mooney, who owns the bookstore and helps him out a little bit, only to get locked in a cage to be taught a lesson on how to be a man. And so it's funny that you say all these things because we know that Joe is a product of his environment. He's broken. And he has a skewed view of the world. And that's why it's funny because people romanticize him so often because, again, you know, written in this perspective, we know all of his thoughts that he wants to be loved. He wants to show his love to specific people and he's willing to do whatever he can to get it. And, you know, we're rem- we actually need to be reminded that Joe is not a good dude. He kills without remorse. And when we have the the scene where he kills uh what's his name the the dude uh beck's love interest oh i forget <laughs> benji his name benji yes yeah. when he kills benji in the story in the book it he makes it seem so easy so simple all he said right was uh yeah i put peanut butter in his food wait for him to go he passed as he should have right he's so lucky to have passed uh full of knowledge and, and growth and then it, that's it. Like, it's so easy for him to kill someone because of his obsessiveness and the way he thinks. It's giving us a new perspective on how, like, again, like, we we can't truly understand how people like this think. But having, like, this little uh, tidbit oh. and, uh, like, the little taste of what people with this kind of, let's just call it broken mentality, think that's something I really loved about this whole thing because it makes you think that way. And of course we're disgusted because we're like, Oh God, like how, how could we manipulate, manipulate a person like this? How could we kill someone so easily? And again, all you do is just write about the fact that, Oh, he went peacefully. It was easy. You know, I had everything go right. And now I'm going to go back to living my normal life because I did a good deed. Yeah. That's a good point to make as uh, you were saying that like maybe this is exactly how we should feel when we're reading it to acknowledge that he is a bad, terrible person. So me being annoyed is good. <laughs> yes. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> like I put down here is like, I can't respect him as a man. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, I put down he's a serial killer because of what you said. He glazes over it so easily that it's it's like a normal process for him. It's a normal, it's just like a chore or not even a chore, really, like a task list. He's like, oh, I just have to do this and then moves on yeah. by his day. <laughs> it's easy for him to justify it. Yeah, he's crazy. Like when we, <laughs> yeah. 
when he uh bashes that girl peach yeah peach. when he s- smashes her head hearing his monologue there it's like okay but he's not fighting for morality either like is this good is it bad so i think that not your thing that you're talking about that tidbit that's maybe something that he's missing like morality a sense of ethics which is strange because he's an intelligent guy but he doesn't possess a moral compass that would allow him to make uh, choices that would make him a good person uh i guess he's (laughs) broken but i don't feel for him (laughs) yeah technically we shouldn't and this is why you know uh kneps (laughs) writing in the perspective of a man is very interesting to me because she's able to add in her perspective of men as well as give certain insights into into how women think. But it's so cool because, again, we don't get how other people think. Like, we don't get an insight into how Beck thinks. We get an insight into how Joe perceives Beck and all of her interactions and stuff like that. And so the book itself dives so much more into, of course, how Joe thinks, how Joe feels about certain people, certain things, and how he works. And the show itself does such a good job of doing the same thing. Joe in there, played by Ben Badgley, uh, his performance is so good now. Like, to me, it just elevates it because we read the book now. You know, the narr- the narrations is, it sounds monotone, but there's a lot of emotion in it, if you will. And he's able to capture us. With his thoughts and again he's justifying it to himself which because you know we can hear his thoughts he justifies it to us and sometimes we're like oh yeah peach deserved to die because she's such a bitch or uh benji deserved to die because he he's just this eccentric asshole who thinks he deserves everything but in actuality right no one really deserves to die and for the reasons that they did like benji did not deserve to die because he is an asshole like you know (laughs) like he never really truly hurt anybody same thing with Peach. She actually just really cared about her friend, and she's very protective of that. So it's so well, she funny was also to like obsessed too. She was also obsessed with Beck. It's yeah. It's she's true, also true. like the same version of Joe, but less tactful. Tactful, I guess. Yeah, but we don't know what Peach thinks, though. You know what I mean? Like we get it from Joe's perspective. So our um, our opinions of Peach is also skewed. And again, everything could be right. But we have to remember that because it's in Joe's perspective, he has a high level of bias. So like, yeah, it's so crazy. Like again, Caroline, sorry, Kneps <laughs> does such a good job of just breaking that down and again providing those insp- uh, uh, tidbits. Her descriptions too are really cool. Like I, I won't get too much into that, but it just reminds me of a, a phrase that when a man tries to describe a woman's body, like women everywhere like hate it because. Uh, I was reading a Reddit post okay. where I guess someone wrote, and this is why I wrote it down here, uh, that I, I guess a character in his story or whatever, while she was running down the stairs, a quote from him was that her breasts bounced boobily. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's so shitty. Like, that's such a shitty description of a woman. But to have a woman describe a man's perspective, it's really cool. I, I, In my opinion, it's just like, okay, this is how she thinks that men think. And... In this case, it's actually a very psychotic person. <laughs> it's it's interesting. Yeah, I can I can appreciate the the attempt for what she's trying to do. It's I'm just annoyed by the way it's like I should stop using the word annoyed. 
it's more so insight into what kind of person that I want to be. You know what I'm saying? And I think yeah. it's just like a reflection of that where it's like, oh, man, this is disgusting. And it should be disgusting to me because I wouldn't want to be this psychotic serial killer. And the whole narrative where he's always narrating the story in a way that that person likes him. Like the way he talks about Becky, it's like, oh, everything that she's doing, she's doing it for him in his mind. So he's circulating the story in his mind, building that positive reinforcement to like justify everything he's doing, being a stalker, like getting into her phone and manipulating all of her relationships. And to him, maybe it isn't um, manipulation or over controlling or whatever. It's just gross to me. <laughs> yeah. Disgusting. Oh. I hope that you do feel that way. Like he's, if we saw this in real life, and we let's say we had a friend like him for sure we would be like dude you gotta stop this <laughs> you know like get this checked out it's not right and that's just a good reminder of just like there's there are people like, like that out there and this book the reason why it's so good is because it gives us like insight into a criminal's mind that's why mindhunter was so interesting that's why people are so into criminal podcasts you know stuff like that and uh i want to touch on I think a quote that like captures the whole book, the whole series. And it's something that Mr. Mooney says when he captured, when he's talking to Joe and is, I'm going to say grooming him to be like Mr. Mooney and, and being his definition of a man. But, you know, while they're building the cage or something like that, he says, there's no such thing as a flying cage. The only thing crueler than a cage so small, uh, sorry, a cage so small, a bird can't fly is a cage so large a bird thinks it can't fly. Only a monster will lock a bird in here and call himself an animal lover. Like that quote, I think is like the best quote to define this whole series because it's him thinking he's a bird flying around, but he's caged in his mind and his obsessiveness. And again, the way he thinks is caged, right? He doesn't think outside of Beck and the people he becomes obsessed with. He just thinks in this small bubble. So he does anything he wants and all the stuff. And I don't know, it's like, it's such a cool quote to like describe him being a monster because in physically he does go and trap people in this cage, you know, like he puts Benji in there for months probably and tries to justify the fact that, you know, Benji deserves to be in here because he's an asshole. And then a little bit later, he deserves to die. And, you know, it's just so poignant. What like, I don't know what you think of this quote. I don't, I don't know if you have any other quotes that you like, at least. <laughs> I'm still trying to wrap my head around this quote because I'm still thinking about it. A fly or being a bird. I like the part where you said that he thinks in a bubble and that's why he's locked in and zoned in on a certain person and being obsessed. So that makes sense because he's unable to step back from himself to possess that self-awareness of his own actions He's only like, uh, I put it down here where it's one nightus and he, he finds that one and he's just all in until that one is his, you know, it's so. What's one nightus? Can you define that for us? One nightus. When you believe that there's this one person for you and it's, you know, here, I'll pull up a definition. Maybe I, that will explain it better than I can. <laughs> That's actually kind of cool. I've never heard that uh, term before. Oh, really? Okay, so one night is pulled up on Urban Dictionary. Often, <laughs> the the best source. 
<laughs> Often confused with love, this is the feeling that a particular woman is actually special. This is just an illusion. She is the same as the other three or so billion. Wow. So, yep. In other words, get over yourself and your obsession with that girl because it's just an illusion. And Whoa. when you get rejected, don't be depressed because there's really not much to worry about. I like that it's uh, written in a perspective of a man, like a woman can't be obsessed over a person, like over 11 inches. <laughs> there's a, yeah, there's another one. This is from Wiktionary. Um, obsession with a particular person who is idealized as the only right one to date or to marry often without any actual relationship developments. I think that one's a better mm. description of what's going on yeah. because he's trying oh, to know. control everything, like the relationship, and he's not allowing Beck to actually come to him and reveal these secrets to him or like, well, secrets, sure, but like the personal stuff to develop that trust, that bond, that love connection. He needs to find out through his own stalkeriness, like, going through her phone and Facebook, social media. It's like, she, he's not even allowing her to be a person. Mm -hmm. oh, <laughs> if yeah. she were an AI sex fembot, that would be more fitting for for the type of person he wants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that's really interesting that you bring that up because he, and you put this down, I'm just going to use it. And I'm, I'm going to take it from you because he's, he's showcasing himself as a white knight. So he he's white knighting Beck and certain people that he wants to win over. He goes out and creates a situation where he's able to, let's just say dominate and manipulate people into liking him. And it's, I mean, you bringing that up, it's funny to get in Joe's mind because he is everything that we don't want to be, but at the same time, there are glimpses in this isn't in all of us, not just a man or a woman, right? It's in all of us where we're like, oh, okay, we see a person, we're infatuated by this person. This just takes it to the next level to be like, oh, this person, like I deserve this person, and this person deserves me. He has this objectification of her, even though he's against objectification. He's like, oh, you know, like Benji's only using you for all this stuff. And uh, when the therapist comes in, it's like, oh, he's only trying to get you to spill all this stuff because he wants you specifically. And then we get those moments where Joe is obsessed with having sex with Beck. Yeah. And it's the same exact thing where he's like, oh, yeah, I get to feel you and all this stuff. And then Peach interrupts and he's like, fuck you for interrupting because yeah. <laughs> I was finally going to get what I wanted, what I was like uh, pushing and laying the groundwork to get. Yeah, it's disgusting, isn't it? <laughs> it's it's so disgusting. <laughs> That's why I'm annoyed. It's disgusting. Well, it's I was gonna mention something, I forgot. <laughs> um You mentioned that it, it seems like he has a lack of self-value. Yeah. I would actually argue against the opposite where he values himself too highly, right? And again, it's only because he was raised in a specific way and you know, quote unquote raised where he mentions in the beginning because of his upbringing by Mr. Mooney, he is a man and Benji isn't a man because of so-and-so thing. He doesn't know the hardships of life. He doesn't understand that you have to struggle to be great. And Joe feels that way here. He's like, I'm, I know exactly who I am, even though he really doesn't, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't accept the fact that he's a psychotic stalker, uh, with an obsessive personality, he 
believes that everything he does is justified and stuff like that. And to me, again, I think he overvalues himself because he thinks he deserves specific people. Interesting. We can't talk about loss of value without mentioning what you just said. So here's my turning. Here's my uh, counter argument. (laughs) (laughs) So sure, he may feel like a high value person. Therefore, he writes narratives that say, Beck deserves me, or I'm the better man, I'm better than Benji. But that's also a loss of value, because if he valued himself, he wouldn't need to try so damn hard to manipulate and control and like stalk her. You can simply win by taking her out on a date and then allowing things to form naturally. Valuing yourself would be like, yeah, I'm a I'm a catch. (laughs) Yeah. So when they're when they're hanging out on these dates, you can form that bond to be like, oh, yeah, we're really connecting where she's opening up and I don't have to like stalk her phone nor, you know, nor do all those extra over controlling steps. It can be a natural thing where he allows her to come to him like his energy can raise her up as as the uh, valuing of self is high. He can be charismatic. He can be funny or whatever, you know? If he got the riz. <laughs> <laughs> I just learned what that meant like uh, two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, like if he valued himself, he could just drop the riz, you know, and, and win, back, win back that way. Not, all right, so she's in a relationship with this man. So therefore I have to kill him, remove him from play oh, your best friend is Peach, but she's the one that's manipulating you and therefore she's in the way. It's And then he offs her. It's just, it's such a low, low value within himself to the point where he needs to do all that stuff in order to receive value or validation from Beck. Like that one night is, he will confirm to himself that he's a high value person when Beck is finally with him, you know? Does that make sense? Did I win you over? Absolutely. No, I, I, <laughs> like I could see it on both sides. And that's why Joe is such a complex character. He really is just a walking contradiction. <laughs> you know, like Aren't he's talking all? about, <laughs> for sure, for sure. But Joe, you know, is saying uh, like, uh, he's just, he doesn't think he's crazy, but he's crazy. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he doesn't he's think crazy. he's obsessive, but he's obsessive. And it's funny because he, Again, he's an intelligent dude. Most of these people are who tend to have this kind of, uh, we can call it like a dis- disorder. Um, Dissociative. He just, yeah, disassociative something, disorder. Something like that. <laughs> he just doesn't have the self-awareness to understand like the things that he does isn't healthy. I'm not going to say it isn't normal because I know there are people out there who may have the same thoughts and recognize it and go out there and get gets help. But he doesn't <laughs> he's just like i'm the only sane person here i'm the only one that thinks this way because everyone else is broken and all this other stuff you know yeah i don't think it is one or the other either and those those things exist at the same time i think consciously he values himself really highly therefore he's making decisions based on those um, ideas whereas unconsciously he does feel like he lacks value He's like, why is Beck with Benji and not with me? Or why is Beck 
throwing me off to the side and hanging out with Peach instead. It's it's unconscious for sure. And I think both of them were like, we're both right. It's <laughs> <laughs> very true, yeah. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> I put down Joe has feminine energy. <laughs> I can see that. I don't know how to explain it. I should have written it, uh, written it down. It made sense at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is it because he's written by a female author or is it because he doesn't portray like a macho man energy? It's definitely not because of of the fact that it's written by a female, although that probably does come into effect. I mainly base it off of how Joe interacts with people. So he's <laughs> maybe it's just his thoughts that gives off feminine energy. Hmm. Maybe. <laughs> You have to think about it a little bit more. And uh, funny enough, uh, like, you know, there's there's not like a perfect definition of what a man or a woman should be, just to put that out there. And, you know, there's all kinds of people to respect the way they live. I would agree that Joe has a a tendency to be submissive when he wants to be, but then his anger and his obsessiveness bring out a very aggressive vibe, uh, like... Like when he gets mad at Peach, he loses his monotone, cool uh, tone of voice and then turns on like this really aggressive and abrasive, you know, tone. Yeah, it's I guess we have to talk about what makes a man. Well, one thing is Joe doesn't have a lot of guy friends. And I think if you have a lot of guy friends as a man, that's part of the buildup to how you would become a man is your interaction with these this masculine energy where you can be a dick with each other but it's all fun you know and i think masculine energy is kind of like you can have you can talk shit (laughs) and you're gonna be okay it's just talking shit shooting the shit having fun but you don't really mean anything by it and then if it's time for real talk you kind of just go straight to the point joe doesn't go straight to the point he's he's like all over the place and it's like a million details about like a tiny thing and it it's blown out of proportion where it's not like a man doesn't really i guess i shouldn't generalize all men think like this but <laughs> yeah i was like a controversial <laughs> controversial uh but most women could say that like a man is very like straightforward or thinking in a linear direction where it's like this i'm hungry i'm gonna get something to eat <laughs> But Joe's like, I want this girl, so therefore I need to control her entire life. <laughs> yeah, it's I don't know. Like that's why I appreciate how it's written so much, and like you know, there's a lot of a lot of different interactions with a lot of different characters. I knowing that you know, I've seen the show, so I, I I'm mostly caught up and almost done with the last season, which is crazy. But it's kind of funny the interactions that he has with people. It always seems to be people who are slightly broken, but also have a very lavish lifestyle. Beck is the only character I think who isn't rich (laughs) that he like is attracted to and is uh, maybe a person of power, maybe that he isn't attracted to because she just has rich friends and specifically Peach. But he's attracted to like these people that have a certain air about him that seems confident. And then it just turns out like they're either rich or they're like uh, trying to find a certain level of fame, probably. I don't know. It's it, He's got a type. <laughs> he's got a type for sure. <laughs> and again, it, it's tough because we're pitted against this. 
uh, against these two types of people where Joe himself is again, crazy. He's psychotic. He obsessive and in all the bad ways, but people are very attracted to him because he's romanticized and he speaks highly of love. And then on the other side, the people that he gets with uh, is attracted to is like, again, people of power, people who are very attractive, but tend to be rich. And we, as middle-class to lower-class people tend to hate them. Like we hate people who are assholes, who are too rich beyond belief, who don't have a sense of groundedness. And so we tend to like not root for them, but then like, you know, it's kind of funny seeing both of these worlds collide because they're technically the same. <laughs> like, like we're not supposed to like Joe, but we do. We're also not supposed to hate these people because they're just in a different class than us, but we do. I don't know. It's just all about like, you know, like shifting perspectives and being manipulated by the author. And that's what she does so well is like, again, I root for Joe every so often and I forget that he's a serial killer, you know, obsessive stalker. <laughs> I'm just, every so often I'm like, good for you, Joe. Oh, fuck. Never mind. Wait, <laughs> like he, he sucks. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. There is like a erotica or romanticism behind this obsession I think that was one thing that bothered me too, the way she's writing Joe, where there is a bit of, like, like the way she's describing the the erotic, erotic thoughts, it's very, I guess, poetic in a way that's like, it is erotic to you and something that you want or enjoy. Mm-hmm. Is that coming out right? <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. I know certain people, I won't point them out, who love reading erotica and they their specific niche the thing that you know really gets them is actually when they're being dominated when they have to be submissive so that's the kind of writing that i'm getting from this where joe again wants to dominate and wants to pretend that the other person is as submissive as he thinks he that they are even in his interaction with men and benji he is giving us details that we think benji should be submissive uh, or he's more dominant than Benji because, again, Benji is a high-class uh, socialite who doesn't understand hardships, stuff like that. And Joe understands hardships. He understands it. He's hard, and he gets that the world is tough out there. So we should hate Benji because he's so-and-so. You know, there's a lot of that, like, theme yeah. going around. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's also like that... Um woe is me concept it's i had a shitty life therefore i deserve better type of mentality it's i find that also disgusting (laughs) (laughs) so if joe's shitting on benji and simply because he's like oh i've been through shit i deserve back or whatever it's gross yeah (laughs) i mean uh, should i i don't know man (laughs) I'm, i'm trudging along I'll finish this. I think it works better as a visual medium rather than uh, a reading. I think I enjoy the show more, better than the book, but I think it's because I'm annoyed. (laughs) (laughs) You're getting too into the mind of Joe. And I agree. I I like both. I really do. It's, we talk about this, you know, in our other books, like Psychology of Money or Courage to be Dislike. Uh, a few other ones coming up, but I love when I'm able to see a new perspective. And this is giving us a perspective into a, a person who's very unhinged and doesn't realize it. He's very, he's actually confident to me, but also 
obsessive. Like, you know, we use that word often and it's because it's true. <laughs> He's super obsessive and, you know, getting a, an insight into how these people think like blows my mind because we also get small cues into like those things. So they say that, you know, so, someone who is uh, a sociopath tends to talk in a monotone voice, either that, or they try to, um, they try to feel something when they don't. So you see certain cues, like uh, if you ever seen American Psycho, like that's a very good opposite of of Joe specifically because Joe again monotone. He's kept himself. He's independent. He like you mentioned. He doesn't have any friends. Not just that he doesn't have any guys friends. Guy friends. He doesn't have any friends. Yeah. American Psycho. Uh, that's the red flag right there for people. <laughs> <laughs> American Psycho. It's good because American Psycho, he does have friends. He does hang out with a bunch of dudes, but he overcompensates. Like the scene with the business card. He's like, oh, I got this business card. It's so-and-so thing. You know, it's this <laughs> font. It's this color. And then he gets one-upped and he's like, oh, God. Like, I'm not on top. I'm not powerful anymore. I have to do this stuff. He also over-listens to music and over-analyzes music so, so he can bring up in conversation so he has something to connect with the other person with that that brings up some kind of feeling for him. And so it's interesting to see, like, again, the two different sides of what a, psych, a, a, a psychopath is. Uh, it's, yeah, I don't know. Like, that's why I'm like, okay, yeah. I'm not a psychopath myself, but, you know, yeah. I like getting into the mind of one. Well, I think um, the traits that I brought up, like over-controlling, white knighting, and obsession, I think those are tendencies that exist in all of us it's just us possessing self-awareness so that we can tone it down out of respect for the other person and of course like your own self-image and what you want for your for your goals as a person too i think <laughs> i put down he described karen as a cat so that gives me insight on how he views people like he, maybe he doesn't really want beck to love him therefore that's why he doesn't try to get things naturally through conversation like the trust the bonding all that stuff maybe he just wants to feel dom or yeah he wants to dominate so it's women objectified through his lens but he feels like he's a knight you know knight in shining armor gross yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he wants a sense of ownership which yeah mr mooney instilled in him and that's what we see you know he treats people in a cage like they're animals and it's funny because you know, he brings up the you know, the concept of animal lovers and what they would do if if you love an animal or you don't cage him in the whole time and like the same thing like he's trying to cage in everyone he wants you know he, that he craves after like beck he wants to put her in a cage even though she wants he wants her to be free but within this confined space of what he deems is acceptable so we see a lot of that where he treats people like they're animals like the way he describes benji is all type of ways that essentially you would describe like a uh, an out of control dog i guess maybe you know like it, it's i don't know it, it, it his concept of relationships and people is relatable to be quite honest but also difficult to accept yeah, and that's what makes Joe such a complicated character and why people love him so much because <laughs> at points he's relatable, at points he's, I don't know, it's just easy to like, I guess. Gross. Easy to like? <laughs> I think <laughs> on the upper layer, it's it's like when people do all the right things to seem like a good person, but underneath all that, it's like, oh, you did all the 
things that people tell you to do, but really underneath that, you're a monster. I don't know about likable. <laughs> Depends on how good of an authentic radar people have, I guess. Um, Ooh, authentic radar. Yeah, because then, you know, I think when you meet enough people, you're like, oh, this person, they're fake. But I don't want to throw that out. Like, it's that easy to detect a fake person. I think fake people don't necessarily want to be fake. They just don't have a solidified version of values that they are willing to stick up for. Therefore, they are fake. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> well, when we talk about fake people, it's a, a sense of, of an un unauthenticness, uh, not being so genuine, and also trying too hard. Like... Me, those are a lot of the signs that like come out when they're trying too hard to capture people's attentions. You know, try to be liked in a specific way, or they agree with everything. Oh God, this is like one of my pet peeves is like, would you have a when you say something and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure, and they're like, you know, what? but I don't, I kind of don't super agree with that, and they're like, oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's like, oh, do you have any opinions for yourself? Like, <laughs> you oh, yeah, for any, sure, uh... for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are yeah. it's those are kind of um I want to say those are like the upper layer of stuff. Tapping into the core, it's when they're not okay with their own value. So like if you do want to be seen, you do want more attention, like admit that to yourself and be like, yeah, I do want to be seen or I want more attention, therefore I'm gonna do these and be more outward, outward in your actions to receive that attention. And then there is an authenticity aspect to it. But if they're not okay with that, it's like you're in denial. Oh, I don't want attention. But then you're like outwardly uh, doing all the things that you were saying, getting that attention, doing too much, trying too hard. I think that would be the telltale sign is when they're not, they don't accept their actual uh, desire. Mm, interesting. Interesting. I, I see where you're going with that. Yeah. <laughs> maybe am i yeah. getting close <laughs> psychology in general is just a fascinating topic to talk about you know we talked about adverian psychology slash philosophy and uh, i was thinking about that a lot in this book because joe thinks and pursues vertical relationships you know whether it's again peach outdoing him in his relationship with beck so he creates this hierarchy that Peach is above him in Beck's con in Beck's mind, and then he also wants to again have control over the whole situation. So he creates a vertical relationship over everyone he meets. You know, like he wants to be controlling of uh, the guy who helps him out at the the shop because he thinks he's better than that guy over Beck, even Benji, of course. Like every relationship that he's built up he has to create a vertical relationship or he assesses their standing through vertical relationships so like given that whole concept it's like dude <laughs> you would be way more happy if you would stop <laughs> well, yeah, creating like wants, these vertical relations yeah he wants to be superior it's back to what we're that's saying the word about. that's a good word yeah yeah it's back to him not wanting like value, you know, he doesn't feel valued. So he needs to overcompensate. He needs to kill these people. 
rather than (laughs) rather than internally developing value to transcend these people so that he can be on the upper layer of uh superiority but you know that's if you have morals and stuff i guess he doesn't (laughs) (laughs) he does not or it's very highly skewed what do you think of love interests in in the book so i know we mentioned beck we didn't really dive into her character or the fact that she you know loves benji benji and then the uh the psychologist no sorry the therapist you know there's a relationship there too what do you think of those characters because um, i i talked on it i i want to get your opinion on them benji and the therapist i like how when um, Joe is interacting with Benji and Benji's spilling out like dark secrets that that were hindering the image that Joe had on Beck. So when Benji was like, oh yeah, she's she just wants a rich dude to fuck her or something like that. And that was too harsh of a truth for Joe to accept. And Benji even gave details on like, oh, Ben or Beck just showed up to his doorstep uh, doorstep pretending to be a maid he knew that she wasn't a maid but he still let her in and then you know the whole event of like getting his dick sucked or whatever it's it's something that joe can't accept because <laughs> he has an image of what he wants beck to be on this pedestal back to like one nightis that's the image that he is in love with or obsessed with it also sucks that the therapist i don't remember too much about the therapist saying uh how he verbalized beck do you have any examples in your mind it's it's, it's more so that the therapist um uses beck and oh. uses her insecurities her vulnerabilities um to you know gets get something out of her <laughs> Ew, so gross. Uh, by the way who's played by john stanlos yeah no, i was <laughs> gonna mention that season. I was going to mention that. I mean, you know, if it's John Stamos, I guess. Um, John Stamos. You can't say no to him. He's too handsome, but he's also always on cocaine, it seems. <laughs> on cocaine? Is that real? Yeah. Have you seen the, there's a few, there's a few art, like uh, interviews where he's like, he can't sit still. He's always like doing this to his nose. And he's like scratching. He's like. <laughs> Damn, that's me. He's on cocaine, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not on cocaine, just pre-workout, which is kind of like the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Gains everywhere. Gains on the mic. Gains. Gains, gains in the gym. Gotta get the gains, man. Definition um, of a man. <laughs> <laughs> but it's you. Okay, so the therapist is kind of gross. Disarming a woman by utilizing her weakness or vulnerability to take advantage of her. That's disgusting. So Beck, <laughs> not really good at choosing men is, is kind of the... Yeah. The theme, the takeaway. <laughs> and Joe's included. And the best thing about how complicated of a character he is, is that there are pieces of him in Benji, in the therapist, like even in Peach, right? Like in other like friendships and stuff, like he portrays a few of those traits too, where he manipulates Beck's insecurities. Uh, he, you know, continues to play her to, to get what he wants, which is, for her to fall in love with him. Same thing with Benji. Like Benji just uses her specifically to get what he wants. It's kind of all the same. You know, like that's what's funny here. Like the only person that doesn't realize it is Beck and she has the unfortunate <laughs> meet. It, it, it's unfortunate that she met Joe, <laughs> you know, and developed a, a relationship with him. 
Well, yeah. it's one thing I want to touch on is that we learn more about Joe with his interaction with these other people that are like him. Just like you said, like his interaction with Joe, Peach. It's cool because that's how you, st- uh, you help develop a character by having him interact with other characters that are like him. Unlike The Last of Us, but <laughs> the um, I like Peach a lot because it, that was when he was being challenged. And it was like, it's it's him seeing a reflection of himself, but he didn't see it. And then he needed to kill Peach in a way that's like the hubris that maybe at the end of all this, book four or whatever, that's how he dies. <laughs> hmm. He needs to kill himself, uh, metaphorically or physically, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I was I like, spoilers? Did you read it? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm predicting. I'm, I'm making a prediction because I haven't. Okay. Well, first, I got to finish this first book. I already saw the first season, but like, I, I still want to finish it just in case there's some details that I'm missing that may inform me of something. Although I am annoyed, but I'll still, <laughs> I'll still trudge through it, push through, you know, the last haul. But no, I, I think that's my prediction. Like, if that's the hubris, his hubris is, in, is himself. Is there a better, yeah. way to, better way to describe <laughs> it? <laughs> No, I think you're right. Hubris is is his own self. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Okay, so yeah, the ending to all this would be he would need to kill himself or someone that is like him kills him. That's what that's what I think. (laughs) (laughs) Just jumping jumping three other books ahead. (laughs) Well, he's got to he's got to get got, man. He keeps on getting away. And it's. It's so strange. Like when he pees in the freaking jar when he's at Peach's house stalking them. Okay, guy. <laughs> How is he not caught already? Because that's why house... it's so funny. Like it, he, he's, it's the, the whole time, again, he's very intelligent. But I think about that pretty often too. Like, and each season, if you watch the show, he always gets away. But is it like that easy to get away with some stuff like this? Like, uh, more specifically, when he kills Peach. I think it's different than in the book than it is in the show, if I remember right. Uh, it's been a while since I watched the show, because doesn't he just bash Peach's head, right? Like, with, like, with, with a the rock. rock? Yeah. yeah. He, he does that in both the show and book. Um, okay. She, in the show, she's like, they're running away from the, yeah, in the a park. house. No, it's the house. Oh, that's right. That's right. First is the house. The well, The first encounter was the park where he... He like was stalking her and they were jogging and then he bashes her head in, oh, and she, she gets okay. knocked out and he thought he killed her, but she survived. And that's when she thought that there she had a stalker. You know, she believed that she had a stalker mm, and the whole debacle right. of uh, Beck choosing Peach over him. It's the second encounter when he's stalking Peach and uh, Beck at her getaway home or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's and right. Then, yeah, and that, that's, I think that's done the same way when they're running or he's trying to escape, but then Peach catches up to him and then they wait. Yeah, something like that. Anyways, mm-hmm. he gets on top of her. She turns around and Peach recognizes that that's Joe. And then she's like, you, which is kind of poetic to the story, I guess. Yeah, of course and it is. Then, <laughs> yeah, and then bashes her head in and escapes. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just well done. Like I mentioned, like the show fine tunes the book to exactly what it needs to be. And I wish the last of us was like that, you know, each chapter was like done in that specific way where they added just enough things and actually did not take away a lot, you know, 
like the first book compared to the first season of the, the show, you could watch either one and you'll understand completely like exactly what's going on. Like you're not going to miss anything. Like all the details that need to be there are there. Things that are changed or taken out, like technically don't matter. Like I do specifically. Agree that. I yeah. do agree that when I started listening to the book through an audiobook, I was like, I feel like I'm just watching the first season again. Oh yeah. Because the way, because it's still shot the same way. Like they're, Penn Badgley is still doing those inner monologues and majority of his scenes, like one of his interviews was saying that like when he shows up on set, he doesn't even say any lines because all of his lines are done off camera because we're in this, we're inside the mind of Joe. So he's just doing like a voiceover. As far as adaptations go, it's like very, I think it's more enjoyable to watch than to read or uh, listen to through an audiobook, just because the extra visuals of following Joe and having his voiceover come through and then you get to see what he's seeing rather than being described overly through the book, just because it's a book though. So, you know, it's, you're following text that needs to describe all the tiny details. Back to your thought. Did you still remember it if I didn't ruin it? <laughs> <laughs> nope, uh, it's gone. <laughs> it's gone? My bad. But it's I, good. Uh... Like I, I think both mediums are good. I think that's what I was getting at. It's just if you like watching shows versus reading a book, watch the show. It's good. Yeah. It's... <laughs> <laughs> it's... <laughs> I'll watch it. You know, Not a guilty pleasure. It's for homework. <laughs> it's <laughs> I love it. I love the show. I like the book. They're all good. <laughs> I look, I am on the third season, halfway through, although that was also like two years ago or whatever when that third <laughs> yeah. season came out. And I never finished the third season. I only started watching it because I was like, oh look, Vittoria Pedretti is in here and she's good. She's good. Yeah. She's good. Yeah, the third season was pretty good. And, you know, I won't give away too much because we're going to get there when we do comparison with the book. But I'm enjoying it so far. I think the whole series is good. And uh, this is how you do an adaptation. <laughs> it's this is how you do an adaptation. Like, you know, it's just good. <laughs> I wonder what goes through their minds, man, when they adapt books to film. It's Is it too much creative liberty? Is it too much ego? Like, maybe not enough uh, budgeting you know it's easier to write a book in my opinion than to do a whole movie like we saw with uh, sun is also a star you know the book was great the movie not so much because it was most likely rushed it was they didn't have enough budget who knows i can't even see it as a tv show even you know when they have more time to flesh out the characters and stuff like i wouldn't want them to adapt it into a tv show because like one, what are they going to do? You know, like <laughs> it's, a, it's a short book anyways, but like, yeah, it's fitting for a movie. It's it could have been a good rom com, but lacked um, writing, I guess. <laughs> Depth. And uh, you can tune into those episodes if you really want to figure out <laughs> what we truly thought about it. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else? Nope. I'm done being annoyed <laughs> with Joe. <laughs> so you're done with you uh, done with right. you that's it for this episode then thank you for joining us as we discuss and discuss you the book the first one um i've been derek i've been kevin all right well follow us for coming uh, for follow coming. us for uh, for uh more com content coming out <laughs> okay, spit it out so. man spit it out <laughs> bye <laughs>